I have a secret to tell you guys. I have kind of always wanted a rubber band ball, but I never knew how to start one. And that's ridiculous because it's just as easy as you think it is. I looked it up online and all you need is a core. To make one, take a fat rubber band and either tie it in a knot or fold it up really small. Take a smaller rubber band and wrap it around your core until you have a lumpy, roughly circular ball. Then keep doing this with small and medium-sized rubber bands until the ball reaches the size of your liking. It's that simple. But you shouldn't be inside making rubber band balls this week anyway, because it is gorgeous outside. It is finally spring. Why not go play some golf or go for a hike or a kayak or a swim? On this week's episode, we talked to Brandon Leonard, a climber, ultra runner, kayaker, and general outdoor adventurer, about what to pack, where to go, what to do, and even how to avoid snakes and bears. And about that golf game. This week, Peter Martin is fresh off a family trip to Kiowa Island in South Carolina, where he tested some cool golf shoelaces that can also help people with artificial limbs. Also on this week's episode, Curious Idiot Kevin Dupsick is back with a quandary for our tech editor, and we present our first ever edition of Rat Facts. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. We have with us today Brendan Leonard, who is the author of The Great Outdoors, A User's Guide, Everything You Need to Know Before Heading into the Wild and How to Get Back in One Piece. Uh, thank you for stopping by. I was checking out this book. It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, um, so where, I mean, originally you were a climber. This is like your, your, but you've done so many different sports. I mean, how did you, how did you come at this? Uh, I guess trying to, trying to make a guide for everything. You, you know, try to think of all the things you would have asked when you were beginning, um, okay. which is easy. I'm not good at teaching people, but I'm good at hanging out with people who have never done things before and kind of thinking with that beginner's mind. So it was, it's pretty easy to come up with the basics of everything, I guess. Did, um, did people did people ask you these kinds of questions? I mean, was it the kind of thing where you would go out with people and they would be like, honestly, what do I do if there's a bear? Like a lot of them, I'm not, uh, a lot of them I've had to answer the questions myself because I didn't grow up uh, going into the outdoors. I started doing things when I was in my early 20s, mid 20s. Um, so I had a more mature brain leading into it so I can remember those questions. And also just, you know, um, observing people. Why do people get in fights at ski resorts? Why do couples get in fights in ski resorts? You know, like... Why do couples get in fights at ski resorts? This is my... My take on it is that it's always someone going, oh, it's your first day? We'll just start you on a blue run. You know, Uh whatever they're like. Because they don't want to sacrifice their ski day. They just want to take their friend out. They're like, you'll be fine. And they're not fine. Right. You see a lot of angry couples. And usually I think it's the guy who's made the mistake of, you know, not being patient and... Um, that's, that's what leads to, you know, maybe their relationship doesn't survive, you know, and that's, <laughs> and, but the guy had kind of a good day skiing, you know, uh, it's too bad. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I, uh, actually took my ex skiing with me once and he had never skied before and I got him a lesson. That's what I Yeah. Did. Okay. So you're, so you're smart. I did the same thing with, uh, with my girlfriend. I was like, you know, I'll ski with you after the first day, but I don't know how to teach. So let's just avoid all this tension and. You can go with our friend who's a ski instructor the first day, and then and then I'll go with you after that, and we'll go really slow and take it easy. But I don't have the language, you know, for that. So, <laughs> so how did you do the research for some of these things in here? I mean, for example, in the very first section, which is uh, – well, I guess it's the second section, which is staying alive. I really like that one because I feel like that's all my fear. Every time I go camping, I'm like, okay, what if there's a snake? What if there's a bear? What if there's a this? Um, did you – I mean, who did you talk to? How do you find these things out? Uh, the bear spray thing is kind of a – you know, it's like gun versus bear, bear spray, you know, uh-huh. and it's like – there's actually been studies done. Have there? Find it. Yeah, and when I found them, I've been like, okay, obviously. Like, can you hit a bear with a gun when you're freaking out? 
maybe if you're really good, you know, but can you hit them with a big cloud of spray? Probably. Right. You know, so, um, and the rat, there's a rattlesnake statistic in there. It's like 40% of rattlesnake bite victims have a blood alcohol level of 0.10 or higher, you know, which used to be the like driving drunk, you know, and then another, another separate study, 40% of rattlesnake bite victims have been handling rattlesnakes when they've been bitten. So like, think about those two things together and it's probably somebody drunk who's handling a rattlesnake and like I'd always had a hunch about this you know like because <laughs> I've I've almost been I've been lunged at by a rattlesnake before while like trail running you know and you know like the first time they, they basically lunge at you and then if you don't if you don't get away then they will bite you and okay. sometimes that first bite is not venomous blah 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 but it was fun to go down all these rabbit holes and and think about and look at look up these things like what does really happen you know and Right. I loved actually that was one of my one of the statistics I really liked actually was yeah. reading that because I felt a lot safer. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Plus, like they don't say, but you, you kind of assume a lot of those people are men, you know, that, <laughs> and maybe young men who are like, let's get drunk and play with rattlesnakes. You know, so you're probably pretty safe. Yeah. Um, um, so one thing that I, I I there's a lot of very serious and important information in here about canoeing and driving in snow and and surfing and all sorts of things but i was wondering because this is the most useful podcast ever if you would actually teach me how to skip a rock uh just to, just by telling me right now because i can't do it and i've never been able to do it can you skip a rock i mean it depends how good you want to get i think, I think anybody <laughs> can skip one three times you know you think so because oh. i have been trying with every single time i've been in the woods near a body of water i have tried a lot of I it. Is, get a, I get a flat rock. I mean, that's you what you do. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and I think I think you got to be patient. And a lot of it's the the angle with which you hit the water. You know. Like, okay. You got to relax. You can't be trying to throw it like super hard into the water. You got to like get a. I guess you got to ease your way into it. You got to take it easy. Yeah. That's probably my problem. I don't know. Yeah, now I'm anxious about it. I feel like we got to get out of the studio and actually like watch, see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> but but that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, are you, is there a sport in here that is your favorite? Um, or not, I guess activity, yeah. let's say. No, I've kind of like, I've been doing a lot of these things for about, I guess like a dozen years now. And, um, so it kind of, I kind of go in and out of things. Like I'm into ultra running right now. Um, bike packing, you know, like mountain bike touring is another thing I'm digging. And that back, sounds fun. Backcountry skiing. Um, I live in Colorado, so I'm able to just kind of goof off in the desert or in the mountains whenever um but when you hang out in these circles you kind of have opportunities to do different things so yeah i I climbed really extensively for a number of years and then was kind of like yeah i'm kind of going to take a break from it and i've kind of been taking a break and i'm into other forms of suffering now you know which (laughs) like i think ultra running is like mountaineering uh with all i call it all the pain and suffering of mountaineering without the fear you're, you're never, you're never like, oh, I'm gonna die. You're just like, man, this really sucks. You're just like, you know? oh, I, I might die inside. Yes, my I'm soul dying. might die. I'm dying inside, but yeah, but yeah. That's awesome. Um, I noticed you have a lot of marks in this. It's great. I know. Yeah. Well, I was looking through it to try to figure out. I noticed that. So uh, my sport, I'm from Florida, so um, my oh, okay. chosen sport is surfing, and I noticed there's not a lot of surfing in there. There's only two. No ways, no ways to fight sharks. How to fight off sharks? Well. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. What What is your method of fighting off sharks? I have thankfully never had to fight right. off a shark and hopefully never will. Um, I've, I've always heard poke them in the gills or poke them in the eyes. It's pretty much like the same as fighting off a bear, right? You Go know, for like, the face. Yeah. I yeah. mean, did you read uh, 
Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. No, but I've been meaning to. It's on my uh, list for a long time. I don't even like surfing that much. <laughs> but he's so in that book. He, um, I was reading that while while still doing this, and I was like just blown away. You know, it's it's wonderful. Uh, but he says like in the first hundred pages, if you want to get good at surfing, and you haven't started by the time you're like 15, don't even try. Like you're, in, I just, <laughs> it's like, and I didn't even take it personally. I was like, yeah, you're right. It's so <laughs> discouraging. Yeah. All right, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, it's hard to get good at surfing. So it is. I don't know. And, it is. Well, and and don't you, as a surfer, don't you feel like there's enough people out there already? Like, I mean, do you, do you <laughs> yeah. really want me helping That's more true. people? Yeah, don't teach them. Yeah, no. exactly. So. Um, so okay. So then, and then also in here, this I think would also be very useful to our readers. Is you've got uh, what should I take in my backpack? Places. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is you basically have um, navigation, sun protection, extra clothing. A headlamp, first aid supplies, fire, a repair kit, food, water, and emergency shelter. Um, that sounds pretty. That sounds pretty good. I mean, again, is this personal experience, or did you did you ever forget any of these things? You know, people will go out and buy these huge first aid kits, and to me, I've been either lucky or or I'm just you know I haven't had very many real big injuries in the in the backcountry but I'm like you can only you can only use what you know how to use out there like you're not you're not going to be doing open heart surgery right, don't so. bring like a scalpel and like morphine yeah. injections first aid kit is like for me it's like a multi-tool duct tape and crazy glue you know? <laughs> and like you know like basically that's it uh but uh yeah I mean I think um I guess in the circles of people I hang out with, you hear a lot about people's people's quote unquote epics, and a lot of them end up because they took too long doing whatever it was they were going to do, which often is because of this hubris where they're like, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be done by seven or whatever," and, and they don't take a headlamp, you know, and then mm-hmm. and, oh, it's dark. Now we're out all night because we can't see where we're going. So, I number one always take a headlamp, and I actually take two headlamps because an Alaskan guide said one time to me the best place to carry extra batteries for your headlamp is in a second headlamp. And I thought, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a good and there's, idea. And there's this little 2.5-ounce headlamp you can buy uh, from Petzl. And I'm like, well, why, why don't I take this as two ounces? Um, and then, you know, if you are really screwed, a space blanket, which is this, like, I mean, it's, you know, two inches by three inches maybe. You know, it's the same thing they give to, um, you know, people when they're going into shock after an accident. Mm-hmm. Take that out with you. You're never going to freeze to death outside. Right. I mean, it's not going to be a nice night's sleep, but you will at least stay alive. So things like that. And you can fix a lot of stuff. You can MacGyver a lot of stuff with very little supplies like zip ties, duct tape, bailing wire, just small amounts of all of it. You know, you don't you don't need the whole roll of duct tape, you know, out there. What are you going to do with that? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a, I mean, this is what I've heard from a lot of people is that a small amount of preparation goes a long way. You know, bring in bring in 10 things, for example, just makes a huge difference. And then you're, you know, you're not screwed if something goes wrong. And I actually, personally, when I was in uh, college, I did a semester abroad in Greece, and we all decided we were going to climb Mount Olympus. Um, <clears throat> and we went with somebody who ostensibly knew what he was doing. And we were going to stay at a, a like a hut partway up the mountain and then summit the next morning. We had no crampons. We had no, we had nothing. You know, we had, we, we were there in the summer and we went, I think we brought some chocolate uh, and we had jackets uh, because we knew that it was going to get a little bit colder. I mean, this was just like, you know, an embarrassment of poor planning. And we, we got close to the hut and then uh, it started getting dark and they sent out the dogs to come find us. And that with, you know, the, the owners brought out their dogs and they came and they found us and led us up to the hut with their 
Uh, so, I mean, I've been exceedingly ill-prepared before. Wow. And I feel like that, uh, you know, that that just a, the small amount of preparation would have really saved the day. <laughs> yeah, I've always like wanted to live through it and stay off the news. You know, like yeah. I don't want to be local local climber rescued. You know, <laughs> which happens to people even if they are prepared. But like, if you do everything you can to to avoid that, it's generally good for your ego. Right. You don't so want to be on the Darwin Awards. Nobody yeah, wants that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you for stopping by to talk to us about this. Um, I, one more thing: the cover is plastic rubbery something or other um so i guess is it so you could carry it around is that the idea with you i did carry it around it's heavy uh <laughs> which i wouldn't recommend taking it backpacking but i did the other uh, a few weeks ago just for just for fun and i actually accidentally like smashed it into my backpack and bent the cover but of course it rebounded right back so <laughs> like oh that is cool yeah yeah so. it's pretty neat i mean i feel yeah. like you could stuff it in your jeep that's a good yes good plan. yes cool uh, well, again, that was the the Great Outdoors, a user's guide, everything you need to know before heading into the wild and how to get back in one piece by Brendan Leonard. And thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. We have a new segment today called Curious Idiot and the Infinite Scroll, uh, <laughs> for which we have Curious Idiot Kevin Dubzik is in the podcast room, and we also have uh, technology editor Alex George. Welcome, you guys. Thanks, Thanks. Robin. It's good to be back. I feel like I haven't been idiotic in a while. You haven't been curiously idiotic. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've done something dumb. That, well, that's true. <laughs> I, idiotic is not the right word, because you say stuff, and I'm like, yeah, why is it like that? That's that's not a good this idea. This one is a really good one, too. I feel this like has everyone actually in the bothered me like, for kind of a long wait, time. Wait, how do we do it? Well, I think that the, how idiotic I feel by the end is just how obvious the solution is. So that's so we'll see how idiotic it is. Because if everybody says like, oh, you're right. But then Alex is like, well, you just do this. Yeah, but Alex is like a magical computer person. I, think, I actually think Alex is a computer. <laughs> okay, well, so here's my problem is that uh, so there are some websites where they are posting stories constantly or something. And when you go look at the page, as you scroll down and you reach the bottom of the page, it automatically loads a new set of stories. So this happens on like blogs and stuff, right? And popularmechanics.com. And the Popular Mechanics website. I've noticed this. And on occasion, I want to click on something that's in the footer of the page. Like in our job, we often are looking for contact information for somebody. Usually contact us is on the bottom or like about us. And I don't know how to get there because every time I scroll to the bottom, it just loads more stuff and it boosts me back to the top I of the page. I have had this exact problem. And then I get in this cycle where... I, what I try and do, this is the best solution I have so far, is I just try and scroll really fast and then click on contact us right away. And it becomes this race that I often lose. And then I just, after I've done this like six times in a row, I just look around and see if anybody was watching me because I look like an idiot. Right. Do you ever just Google the name of the website and about us? Because I do that sometimes. No, I never thought of that one either. Yeah, so that, there's one solution. Yeah, that's one solution I use. I also wonder how much of a problem this is for most people because I feel like journalists in particular are always looking for contact information right. and maybe that's less common so people don't really think about designing out that problem but, some, but you should because it's annoying yeah it <laughs> will and also sometimes in my non-journalist life sometimes if i'm on a like a website that has stories about a lot of different things and i'm just reading for fun but there's only one category i want to know some websites put those like the list of categories at the bottom oh, so sometimes mm -hmm. i also want to scroll to the bottom just so i can click on like no i just want to see the sports stuff or right. whatever right and then i have the same problem but i do think it is worse as journalist. Yeah. So the immediate solution to that is if you're on a uh, Apple computer or, if, or on a, if you're on a Mac or if you're on a, um, you will hit command mm -hmm. and the down arrow. That brings you all the way to the bottom of the page. 
So what that will probably what that does at least for some infinite scroll pages is you will go to the bottom and then it'll go to where you know it would load up more stuff and then it'll mm-hmm. load it up again. So you may have to hit it a couple of times, but eventually it's going to end and you're going to get to whatever the footer is. And it's faster than just like running my finger over the scroll wheel over and over. It's probably better if you're carpal tunnel nerve or whatever the yeah. heck is. So I'm doing it on a site right now, and what it does is it does exactly what you're talking about where it goes back up, back up, and then eventually if you hold it, I held it down for maybe two seconds and it eventually got to the bottom because it stopped loading everything. Okay. Um, But the other way you can do it is if you're looking for something in particular is just use Command F or Control F, which will search for a specific word that you're looking for. Oh, that's a good idea. That's that's kind of like the even smarter version of your just Google the website and about us. Right. I told you he was a computer. Yeah. (laughs) One other thing I just remembered too is that when you search for something on Google... If you go, so you search something on Google, you see the, you know, popularmechanics.com, how your world works, something like that. Then underneath is the URL, the www.popularmechanics.com in Mm -hmm. green font. If you click on the, there's an arrow next to that. If you click on that, there's a tab that says cached. And what that is, is uh, Google has a kind of a snapshot of the website that you can open separately. And then you can have it be text only. You can have, and it doesn't do any of the kind of tricks that you're talking about. Oh. There. So you get this kind of hyper simplified view of it. It'll still load images or you can have it do text only, but it's this way of kind of shutting down some of the novelty stuff that you're, is causing consternation. Huh, that, is that is really an useful. interesting tip. Yeah. And yeah. And finding it, it gets the larger point of this is that I asked a couple of people who do website development and there's a general consensus that this is not a, it's, more of an inconvenience and it's actually worse for the websites because it strains them more because whenever you're scrolling something i mean this this is less of an issue now because the you know things are processing everything got so much faster and web browsers are more efficient but whenever you're scrolling something you are effectively redrawing the picture every single part that you scroll which is why something like the iphone was so crazy because you could it was so fast and it didn't have anything like that Mm -hmm. um but it's really taxing to do something like that uh, and it also makes it just more difficult to navigate between different sections. Um, and it's just this kind of UI debate uh, that, I don't know, for some reason it became a kind of a design trend. I was going to um, say, why is it trendy if it's not really great UI? Uh, do you guys remember there was this um, uh, New York Times story? Called, it was about snowflakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah I think Snowfall. it was called Snowfall. Was yeah. uh, there was, you know, kind of this decision, you know, implementing really kind of cool novelties like that can make a you know web experience a little bit more less uh, about clicking on things and just kind of navigating in the old-fashioned way. Uh, and I think, too, the idea, it has a lot to do with um, you know, how companies monetize what gets viewed and what doesn't get viewed and what gets clicked on, what doesn't get clicked on. Uh, and also the retention of, of uh, a site. So how long you're actually looking at the page, mm-hmm. that can be a factor as well. So if you're, being able, if you're scrolling, you're just kind of looking for, you know, going through different things. Um, it means you might get you know stay on there longer and find different paths and it'll hold your attention for longer. But generally, I, I mean, it comes down to whether so it's a trick. A little yeah. bit. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's that's this, what I've always thought about it. Yeah, it's the same re- way a lot of sites will do. You know, for, uh, sorry, web guys, but we'll put uh, like galleries mm-hmm. will often come up because it uh, results in more clicking and right. uh, longer time on the site as opposed to having it be all all. Everything come out at once. I actually have had this experience where like something will come out of nowhere and just be a slideshow. And uh, and I'm always just like, why? Like, why have you done this to me? There's no reason for this. And that makes more sense now. My favorite thing, I don't look at like Reddit a lot, but one of the things I really appreciate about it is a lot of times if somebody on Reddit links to something to slideshow, 
a commenter will just like list like if it's like a top 10 list like a commenter will just list them out like oh don't, that's don't click on their stupid slideshow here's the number right here's, here's number one that's right. what you want to know i've stopped yeah. in the middle of like a you know you suddenly you realize the slideshow has like 500 slides in it and you're just like no i won't participate no, in done. your slideshow yeah. insanity i'm done yeah uh, well if you go you know if you hit the back menu or you look at your history it re- it, those sites will register every gallery image as a different as a, page. Correct. So it makes a huge pain to get, you know, maybe go all the way back or uh, to get back to wherever so you So then you spend more time. I mean, the internet, man, is Byzantine. It's like a, it's like a government office. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like the trial. It's Kafkaesque. That's how I feel about the internet. So yeah, I was going to say I'm that. So, with I'm this- sorry, uh, Alex George, because I know the internet is part of you being a computer, but. See, um, I, I, I like your uh, I like your literary illusion, but I was gonna go with like a folktale illusion, which is that when I'm scrolling, I'm imagining I'm like John Henry, and maybe I can just like break the machine. It'll give up. It's not gonna load <laughs> another set. It's just gonna let me see the bottom. We'll be right back with more 19th century literary references <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so today we are coming out with a new segment called Rat Facts, Cat Facts, uh, Hat Facts, Rat Facts. Snatflex? <laughs> Afflex. Facts. Netflix? <laughs> uh, for today's inaugural edition, we are reading from Robert Sullivan's Rats, Observations on the History and Habitat of the City's Most Unwanted Inhabitants. All right. Rat fact one. Uh, a collapsible skeletal structure allows rats to fit through holes the size of a quarter. Ew. Their, their heads can go down and they fit Ew. through two holes. Ew. Um, maybe it's too bad all rat facts are disgusting. Uh, <laughs> rat fact two. Brown rats can bite six times per second, exerting a pressure of 7,000 pounds per square inch. We're going to break this one into rat fact have you been Wait, have you been, rack, have you been rat bit? Rat fact? Bit facts? Bite Peter, facts? Peter fact. Peter Never facts. been bitten by a rat. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, has anyone been bitten by a rat? So someone no. has. Someone. Uh, well, Hopefully not somebody in our somewhere. office. Yeah. Uh, rat fact three. On Moe's scale of hardness, a rat's incisors are rated a 5.5, which is harder than iron. That's rated 4.0. Ew. That is... How big are rat teeth? And that... (laughs) Can we make bridges out of them? (laughs) And that has been Rat Facts. (laughs) For today's testing table, Peter Martin stopped by. You've been golfing all week. You were, like, golfing for, like, a week. I love it. I golfed twice. I mean, over over the span of five days, I golfed twice. Where were you? Like South Carolina? Yeah, Kiowa Island. I've heard Uh, of it. It's beautiful. They had the... They had some PGA Tour event there every... (laughs) So I don't know what it is. (laughs) It was one of the big ones. Peter Martin's a big golfer. (laughs) Huge fan. It's probably the U.S. Open. I'm going to take a shot that that's what it was. Okay. every, um, Every doormat that you would walk over in the resort said the year so i should know this because i read it every time i walked in <laughs> to go to any of the, the rooms so this was like a family thing uh it was my parent my in-law's 50th wedding anniversary wow so that sounds like a good golf situation i have never i've never golfed <laughs> if if there's a reason to do it it's yeah. to celebrate somebody's 50th wedding anniversary but golf is hard yeah it is um i don't <laughs> <laughs> turns out it's a good it's a good walk spoiled or whatever mark twain said exactly it would but i mean what's fun about it, i realized the other day I think why I like it is I'm good half the time. I think nobody, I mean, golfers are good all the time. But I kind of wonder if, not that I ever could, if I got good at it where every shot I knew it was going to go where I wanted it to, would take away a little of the surprise and the joy. Now it's like I look at the ball, I hold the club, I swing it. It might go in the woods or it might go somewhere perfect. It's just kind of like, 
who knows what's going to happen at the end of this. It's going to be an adventure. I'll and tell you what. Anticipation. It just makes it so much more exciting when you hit a good shot to know that most of the time you hit bad ones. So okay. I want to get better, but I I still would like the bad ones to be It's like a very zen philosophy of golf, I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just a nice way to stand outside. That's, well, that's what you hear. Um, so what were you testing? Clubs? Something? No, these were, uh, it was a lacing system designed by BOA. B-O-A. Oh. Wait, and late like Lacing, shoes. like they replaced the shoelaces with this special system that is just steel wire with a little turning knob in it. It's basically high-tech Velcro. Um, they've been around for, I think, eight years, five to eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but these were, they've started working with different brands. Um, you'll never see Boa shoes. You'll just see their laces on a bunch of different shoes. And they do, they do work boots. So they'll do, I think they have something with Wolverine and Red Wing. Um, they do ski boots, and then the, the little wheel is fatter, so that when you have your gloves on, you can still turn it. Oh, that'd be so great. Uh, I hate putting... I First of all, I always rent my ski boots, and I always put them on and just hate everything the entire time. <laughs> and skiing. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I like skiing, but I'm just like, I hate everything else while putting my boots yeah. on. Uh, but they're great. It's the So the shoes that I tried were some new shoes from Echo. They're called the Cage Pro, and they're all black with like all this crazy lining on it and it looks kind of like predator's golf shoes okay with, um, <laughs> I, I like. is it predator isn't he invisible I, it just looks like if predator were not invisible that's what he's golf. not always invisible oh um i also think i described them as murdered out to someone the other day because it's just like matte black on matte black okay you uh, I, you did use the phrase murdered out and i was surprised that you used it because you don't seem like the kind of person who's like talking about your murdered out whatever kind of car guy in a gets. plaid shirt every day doesn't yeah you know <laughs> plaid shirted crossfit Peter Martin. Murdered out golf shoes. <laughs> um, but so what it is, it's, it's probably about the size of a quarter. It's a little, the thing just sits on the laces and you push it down, turn it to the right. It clicks and tightens and it tightens but equally. Kind of like the top of like an Advil. Yeah, sort okay. of. You know what I'm talking about? Like a, those medicine caps that like yeah, are child safety caps? It's maybe a quarter inch, quarter inch thick. So you just kind of get your fingertips around it, spin it to the right, and it just okay. tightens up. But it tightens the equally all the way down your shoe. You know, sometimes you have to like grab the bottom laces, tighten right. those, move up, move that's up. Annoying. And that's annoying and nobody really wants to do that. This way it just does it for you. And then it's nice when you're out on the course, you don't untie your shoe, retie it. If your shoe's a little loose, you just spin it. It tightens a little bit. Oh. Also, as I learned, if you are having a drink with your in-laws, on some pretty porch overlooking the ocean after, it's a fun thing to play with. <laughs> uh, not to other in people. In this extremely particular situation, yeah. it's I've, an excellent com- conversation piece. Con- I mean, it brought up a lot of anger. It's kind of like popping bubbles, but on your golf shoes. You know, like bubble wrap when people sit and do oh, that. Oh, because it's annoying. Because it's annoying to everybody but you, but it's so much fun when it's you. Okay. Um, Wait, does this solve an actual problem that, you know, is it like kind of a small increase in... I think uh, so. Just convenience. It's a lot faster. Right. Okay. Put them on. And I think it, it probably does for somebody who's good at golf and the, the fit of their shoe matters a lot more. I think having the shoe hug your foot perfectly would add a little bit. Uh, okay. Because you know. it just seems like, for, so like I run, for example, and I feel like that would be something really useful for, be running. Perfect for like running. My shoes come untied when I'm running all the time or there's like one, this is the thing that's happened to me before, there's like one that's too tight one lace that's too tight and so then when you're running like that particular part on your foot hurts yeah and then you realize like ah can i get you know and then you fix your shoelaces and make them all even but running puts a lot of stress on your feet in a way that golfing i feel like <laughs> doesn't so that that was my question i was like is this actually that important? i think but we actually we should try them on running shoes too just because it would be even better on that because when you're running obviously your shoes are your feet are moving around in your shoe it's probably working the laces loose more often right um and it'd be nice just to be able to tighten them up or maybe they don't untighten. So you can put, you can use these on anything. Like you can put these on any shoe, or they work with many. You can't. I 
you and I cannot apply them to a shoe. Oh, you see. have to find a brand that works with Boa. And, I see, and um, has their own and has Boa shoe. So when you buy your shoes, just if you want it, get it then because you're not going to add it later on. Because you're not going to just fix your own laces. Um, maybe one of the more interesting things about these guys, or at least the more heartwarming thing, since nobody really feels for golfers. Um, <laughs> you they, don't know that. <laughs> somebody out there might. Um, but they work with prosthetics also. So in the same oh, way wow. when, because if you're, if you're an amputee, uh, your skin, it'll swell and shrink just based on the temperature and the activity during the day. And so if all you have to do is turn a little knob to tighten or loosen the grip of your prosthetic, oh. then your prosthesis, I always get that wrong. Right. Um, but if it... Right, that makes sense because you're not going to have laces on that. Right. And right. I don't know how they're normally typically held, but this seems like a much faster, more adjustable um, That's a way great to handle idea. that. Yeah. So good for golfers, great for people with prostheses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more important for one group than the other, <laughs> but, you know, still a very cool idea. Yeah. And so you said these have been around for about eight years. The shoes are new, though. These shoes, the Echo Cage Pro, are new, um, but Boa as a concept has been around, so they've been refining that. They say that each set of laces lasts for 800 golf games, hmm. which I don't know if I like golf enough to find out if these <laughs> shoes are going <laughs> to make it through that. I play that many golf but games. But maybe. Um, we'll see. But yeah, I thought they were great. I just thought they were fun. It made it made tying my shoes a little more fun than it ever is. So if you're a child or Peter Martin who is uh, in his late 30s, then <laughs> it's just going to be great for you. Or somebody who wants a, a well-dispersed lacing system. <laughs> or somebody who wants even pressure on every part of your foot bones. I think so. Yeah. It's important. Um, How yeah. much do they cost? The... The Cage Pros were 230 You Ooh. can They have cheaper... Boa works with different companies that are a little cheaper, but these are just higher-end shoes. Um, Do golf shoes all have cleats on them or no? They all mostly are cleatless now, where you don't actually have the metal spikes coming out. It's just plastic cleats built into the bottom. Um, hmm. Very slippery on tile floor, I learned. Oh, I believe That's that. It's something probably people who golf know all the time, but I almost took, almost a, little, took a little spill on the... And as you fell down... People would have remarked on how perfectly tied and suited to your feet your shoes were. Look at those Look sweet at those murdered sweet out shoes. Sweet murdered out <laughs> shoes on that man who is just face planted into the into a potted plant with his Arnold Palmer in hand. Exactly. That's how I imagine a golf. That's a golf I'd... pro shop or where the after after party. I should have drunk that. I would have golfed better. <laughs> That's our show. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about the great outdoors, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.